Those of a certain age would recognize much of that scripture reading as the lyrics to the number one hit by the Birds in 1965. Pete Sager told the story of how his publisher, Howard Richmond, asked him to write something peppier than just another protest song. Sager bristled, but he started writing, and at one point he pulled out of his pocket a piece of paper on which he had written the verses of Ecclesiastes 3. He improvised in a regular melody, rearranged the verses, and discovered that those three words, turn, 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 would serve as the perfect singable refrain. After hearing the song, his publisher wrote back, wonderful, just what I was looking for. And the rest was history. Whether we realize it or not, the words of Ecclesiastes are just what we are looking for right now. These months of living through a pandemic and the vivid reminders of racial injustice have underscored that life has no easy answers. These days have peeled back any veneer of simple cliches and quick shortcuts to happiness that we would have relied on before. Instead, Ecclesiastes presents life as it is, unvarnished, in order to give us permission to name just how frail and fragile life is right now. Sure, Ecclesiastes does not easily lend itself to hope and promise. That's okay, because Ecclesiastes is just part of the Bible. It's not the entire Bible. And we can turn to other books for good news and hope and promise. But as any good doctor would tell you, you can't have the right prescription without a proper diagnosis. You can't have healing without acknowledging the pain. And as one of my theology professors loved to tell us students, if Jesus is the answer, what was the question? So the reason I love Ecclesiastes is that it is unafraid to name the questions, and it challenges us to think about spiritual matters beyond easy answers, beyond simple cliches. The teacher of Ecclesiastes says it like it is, and it serves as a kind of immersion journalist for the human soul. It digs deeply into issues of life and death, of hope and despair, promise and pain, and as you read Ecclesiastes, you discover the space and the freedom for you to face your own skepticism and perhaps even your cynicism. And it might even suggest to you that the only way to find ultimate meaning and purpose in God is to stretch yourself to the limits of your own humanity. That's why I love the book. My favorite passage in Ecclesiastes actually comes right after the famous first eight verses of chapter three, after a time to do this and a time to do that, we read verses nine to 11. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future in their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Every time I read that passage, I remember that my life, as difficult and burdened as it might seem sometimes, pales in comparison to how God sees my life in light of eternity. We're often so focused on life as we know it that we can't see the grander picture of what has come before us and what will come after us as a result of the life we live right now. 
And that is actually the good news of Ecclesiastes. Because even though all we can see is the present moment, and that's all we can worry about, God sees the bigger picture. Here's something to think about. It's a bit mind-blowing from the world of mathematics. It goes like this. Every straight line is actually part of a circle. How about that? Every straight line is actually part of a circle. I know, it goes against everything you and I learned in grade school geometry, right? But it's true. In theoretical mathematics, every straight line is in fact an arc. As a circle increases its radius towards infinity and grows to near limitless size, any segment of that circle eventually flattens out and appears to approach perfect straightness. And in that event, what is linear is actually circular. And what is circular appears to be linear. That's mind-blowing stuff, right? But that's what happens when our minds begin to think about the eternal. The teacher of Ecclesiastes knew that in our limited minds, time seems to be just linear and sequential, progressing with a past and a present and a future, basically just a straight line. But our narrow view of reality changes as our perspective zooms out in infinite wide angle because God has placed eternity in our hearts and we get a glimpse of something beyond what we can see. God has put a sense of past and future into their minds, Ecclesiastes says, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So here's the good news. While your time on earth is limited, your life in God is not. When you and I face difficulties that seem unsurmountable, your life is an important part of God's grand, sweeping movement throughout the ages. Like the author of Ecclesiastes, you may be searching for an escape from all the pain and the suffering and the heartbreak of the moment, and it may feel like your present moment is nothing more than a, a rickety bridge between a past you cannot escape and a future you cannot know. But Ecclesiastes calls us to be faithful in the moment and to keep moving forward, knowing that in God's view, your linear life is actually part of a circular love, and you are part of something bigger than yourself. And that is certainly true in our struggle for justice and equality for persons of color and for those in the margins of society. In the very same year that the birds scored a number one hit with Turn, 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 Dr. Martin Luther King was making history of his own. On March 7, 1965, 500 people marched along U.S. Highway 80 from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. As part of that march, Dr. King uttered one of his favorite phrases, one that he included in several sermons throughout his career. The arc of the moral universe is long, he said, but it bends toward justice. King challenged the Selma marchers to see their finite, linear efforts as contributing to God's grander, more infinite, visionary arc, which is peace and justice for all people. Though King made that phrase famous, it was not original to him. It was first spoken a hundred years earlier by Reverend Theodore Parker, a Unitarian and an abolitionist. In 1853, Parker preached a sermon called Justice and the Conscience, declaring, quote, I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The arc is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by the experience of sight. 
I can divine it by conscience, and from what I see, I am sure it bends toward justice. The words of Ecclesiastes and Dr. King and Reverend Parker are all timely for us today. Even though we live in a world that is ravaged by racism and addicted to violence and filled with inequalities and systemic sinfulness, we can continue our work in the present day believing in a God whose ultimate purpose arcs toward justice for the world. For God has put eternity in our hearts so that we cannot see what God is doing from beginning to end. That's the hope of Ecclesiastes. And in its own quirky way, it's exactly the kind of hope that you and I need to hear right now in our own personal lives. When biographer Alec Wilkinson sat down with Pete Seeger to ask him about the origins of the song Turn, 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 Seeger described Ecclesiastes 3 in this way. What a poem that is. It's something worth considering, that the world is full of opposites, intertangled, the good and bad tangling up over time. And then he ended with this. Nobody knows. God only knows. Indeed, God only knows. And for now... Let that be enough. Right now, you may be in the midst of a difficulty that seems unbearable. And from your own private perspective, it seems interminable. But I invite you this week to prayerfully and slowly reread those first eight verses of Ecclesiastes 3 and discover the wisdom and promise that it contains for you. For to everything, there is a season. Take, take a look at each verse. Your mourning can turn to dancing, your weeping into laughter, your loss into new opportunities. You may feel like your life is crumbling right now, but Ecclesiastes tells you to hold on. Though your stones are scattered, it says, you will have a chance to gather those stones again. There may be a lot of tearing down in your life right now, but there will be a time to build up again. Some things may have to die in your life before they can be born again. In light of eternity, and by the grace of God, the circle is wide, and we can find hope in God. Author Max Lucado tells a story of an old man who lived in a tiny village. Although poor, he was envied by all, for he owned a beautiful white horse. People offered fabulous prices for it, but he would always refuse to sell it. One morning, he found that the horse was not in the stable, and all the villagers came to see him, and people said, You old fool, we told you that someone would steal your horse. We warned you that you would be robbed. You are so poor, you should have sold him when you had a chance. And now the horse is gone, and you have been cursed with misfortune. The old man responded, Don't speak too quickly. Say only that the horse is not in the stable. That is all we know. The rest is judgment. Whether it be a blessing or a curse, I, I can't say. All we can see is a fragment. Who can say what will come next? After 15 days, the horse returned. He hadn't been stolen. He'd run away into the forest. And not only had he returned, he had brought a dozen wild horses with him. And once again, the villagers gathered around him and said, Old man, you were right and we were wrong. What we thought was a curse was a blessing. Please forgive us. Again, the man responded, once again, you go too far. Say only that the horse is back with a dozen horses, but don't judge. 
How do you know if this is a blessing or not? You see only a fragment, not the whole story. But the people did not believe him. The old man had a son, an only son. And that young man began to break in the wild horses. One day the son fell from one of the horses and broke both legs. Once again, the villagers gathered around the old man and cast their judgments. You were right, they said. The dozen horses were not a blessing. They are a curse. Your only son has broken his legs, and now in your old age, you have no one to help you. And now you are poorer than ever. The old man spoke again. You people are obsessed with judging. Say only that my son broke his legs. Who knows if it is a blessing or a curse? No one knows. We only see a fragment. Life comes in fragments. Finally, after a few weeks later, the, the country engaged in war against a neighboring country. All the young men of the village were required to join the army, and only the son of the old man was excluded because he was injured. And once again, the people gathered around the old men, crying and screaming because their sons were off to war, perhaps never to see them again. And they said, you were right, old man. Your son's accident was a blessing. His legs may be broken, but at least he is with you and our sons are gone. And the old man spoke again. It is impossible to talk with you. You always draw conclusions. No one knows. Say only this, your sons had to go to war and mine did not. No one knows if it is a blessing or a curse. No one is wise enough to know. Only God knows. Only God knows, friends. Ecclesiastes, with all of its sobering portrayals of life as it is, reminds us of this timeless wisdom. Only God knows. As Paul said to the Corinthians, you and I see only in part, we cannot see what God has been doing from the beginning to the end, but therein lies the hope. All of this that we're going through right now is temporary. And because God sees infinity and eternity in its widest circle, we can move with confidence and courage and conviction. Let us pray. God, in your infinite wisdom and care, we choose to live with confidence in the present moment. Meet us in our difficulties, strengthen our weak hands and our weary hearts, and give us once again a glimpse of eternity that we may trust that you are at work beyond what we can see from beginning to end. In Jesus' name, amen.